Each because I have the opportunity to not only educate, but also make a difference. Particularly within the arts, you get to know the students for what they love doing. And so I've seen so many of these kids grow uh, and, and learn, and I've been able to play a part in that, and I think that's really special. That was today's guest, Megan Field, answering the question, why do you teach? And you are listening to episode number three of the Why We Teach series on the Teacher's Guide podcast. Gentlemen, what are the four pillars? Now you all remember how scary your first days in school were. You done messed up, A.A. Ron! Hello and welcome to the Teacher's Guide podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. My name is Zach Woodward. I'm a primary school teacher from Brisbane, Australia, and I will be your host each week. The aim of this podcast is to provide information and experiences that will help all teachers to thrive in their role, particularly aimed at beginner teachers and those who are aspiring to one day join the teaching profession. We like each episode to be short and to the point, so let's get into it. Welcome back to the Why We Teach series. I hope you've enjoyed the first two episodes. We've heard from a high school teacher who's also a pastoral leader and head of house. We've heard from a primary school teacher from the Gold Coast who's worked in a number of different positions in her teaching career. And today, in episode number three, we're hearing from another Queenslander, a high school teacher, Megan Field. Now, Megan's teaching journey started with studying a Bachelor of Music, and then she studied education after that. And since becoming a teacher, she's taught music, but also a number of different other subjects. And you'll hear a bit about her journey with that throughout the episode. I started off my conversation with Megan, asking her to tell us about some of the best lessons that she's ever taught and how she defines success in the classroom. The lessons that have been the best have been the ones where I've sort of tried to think outside the square and get the kids involved in the learning, uh, more of an inquiry approach. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I could if I could pinpoint one mm. best because it's always sort of been the lessons that I walk away from where I'm I'm you know confident in what I've just done and really quite proud of what the students have achieved have been yeah. the ones where it's been a little bit different more focus on the engagement and the hands-on and getting them involved in their learning. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned maths because when I was at school, I hated maths, but now it's my favorite subject to teach. I love it. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because I'm a primary teacher. So like when we teach probability, we play uh, deal or no deal and games like that. And yeah, it it, it can be fun. Who knew maths can be fun? But that's exactly it. You know, it's looking for those opportunities to teach uh, beyond, you know, when when we do probability, I M and M's and and things yep. like that, so that the kids are actually making those connections. That aside from standing up at the whiteboard and and sort of explaining that, they're actually engaged in their learning and they're making the connections themselves without mm. even realizing. Exactly. Yeah. How good yeah. is it? I, 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 a student can go home and they think they've played with M&Ms all day, but they've actually learned about probability. That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It is those, so good. Those lessons are the best. So we've heard yeah. about your maths teaching. Megan, what are the other subject areas that you're currently teaching in? Well, at the moment, it's it's only music, um, but because right. the school that I'm at, um, you know, I was a foundation member. So I have maths, um, music, drama, science, and English. And so, you know, I guess there's a lot of research on um, 
out of out of area teachers, out of subject area teachers, um, and you know the impact that that can have not only on the teacher but also on the classroom. Um, and so science was really difficult for me. Um, I did my best, but you know, and I was sticking very closely to the curriculum, and I was like, you know. I'd spend more time planning the lessons than I would actually delivering them. Mm. Oh, definitely, definitely. And yeah. and the story you've just told about listing off all of those subjects you've taught, that sounds like a common story of a lot of high school teachers. And yep. I've been in primary ever since I left uni, but I know a lot yeah. of high school teachers, that's their story. So when you graduated from uni, what subjects did you think you'd be teaching? Music. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and because I did, like I've got my Bachelor of Music, um, Technically, you know, when I did my education, I was only, I guess, technically qualified to teach music or instrumental music. Mm. But, um, you know, instrumental music only applies to state schools. So I had one subject area um, and I needed to be a little bit more employable. So I kind of just said, yep, you know, I'll, I'm, I'm happy to have a go at these different subjects. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really common because mm. the, the timetables need to be filled. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's important for people to hear that because some, some people get a shock when they do have a graduate high school position and yeah. they're, say, qualified in humanities and English and they've got a, a PE lesson. Yeah. And they're thinking, what am I going to do? But, yeah. So, yeah, you just find a way. And there's lots of other, yeah. lots of other teachers have done it and it sounds like you've managed to work out how to teach all those other subjects. So you just think on your feet and make it work. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. And so there's lots of elements to the role as a teacher and, and yeah. to why we love our job as a teacher. And one of those actually happens outside of the classroom mm. at school camps, concerts, sporting events. So has extracurricular activities played a role in you enjoying yeah. your role as a teacher? Yeah. And so because, um, because I was a foundation member, um, you know, we started off with 36 students and um, and within that, obviously, you know, Music and sports play a big role uh, in the extracurricular activities and it kind of fell on me to build that. And so I've, I've, I've really, you know, fallen into the role of middle leader cultural. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so that was our first our first thing was we had our opening mass and I needed to get together a choir um, and, and have them sing for us because we wow. needed music. Um, yeah. That was six students. I managed to pull six kids together to teach them what we were doing. Um, and so it's really just grown from there. But mm. I think in the arts anyway, you're going to get roped into doing something. Definitely, um, yeah. But, yeah, it, it's played a huge role. So now, you know, we've got this instrumental program with I think we've got five different instruments that we offer plus ensembles. We've got a drama club. Um, and other art activities um, that are on offer for the students. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, you can either opt to to involve yourself in that kind of side of the role or you can just say, no, nope, that's not for me. But I mm. think you know, it's through doing things like that that you actually get to know the students on a completely different level. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And have you seen the fruits of that? then when you go back to teach them in the classroom? Has that helped yes. you at all in the classroom? Yeah. I mean, you know, first and foremost, student relationships are at the core of what we do. And if we don't have uh, that, at least some kind of buy-in from the kids in that respect, it makes our job so much harder. Mm. Um, but particularly within the arts, you get to know the students for what they love doing. Mm. Um, and so I've seen so many of these kids grow 
uh, and and learn, and I've been able to play a part in that, and I think that's really special. Mm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I, I found the same with sports. So I'm I'm more of a musician than I am a sportsman, and I got thrown into coaching cricket and soccer and rugby yeah, well, league. Um, yeah. But in that, it's it's been fantastic just seeing those students grow and and yeah. and then. Maybe students who are quiet in the classroom, they thrive on the sports field or vice versa. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I, I find that the extracurricular activities are a great way to get to know our students. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think uh, we're lucky that our role lends itself to that side because there are so many people on staff who just don't really have the opportunity to do anything beyond the classroom or mm. I guess because you know, with our school, we've had the opportunity to develop, to develop these opportunities for the kids. But um, so many of like, it's kind of fallen into uh, the laps of those who are in those areas already. So there haven't necessarily been the opportunities for other staff members to get involved in. And it really is, you know, the relationships that I have with my students, particularly the music ones are very, very strong. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Actually, I, I do take my hat off to music teachers because at school assemblies, while the rest of us get to have a bit of a break and just supervise yeah. the kids, you're up there playing the national anthem and leading yep. the choir. So thank you for doing that. On behalf of all <laughs> non-music teachers, thank you yeah. for doing that. You are welcome. Mm, no, it's much appreciated. Much appreciated. So Megan, when people who leave the teaching profession are interviewed and asked why they left the teaching profession, often something that comes up, apart from workload, is the behavioral management. And particularly in high school, having a a classroom filled with teenagers, they just find that too overwhelming and too difficult. So can you share with us maybe some of your insights into that or some of the struggles you've had and how you've overcome that? You know what? I... I'm a bit of a softie when it comes to the kids. Um, I, I'm very aware of the pressures that they are under. You know, the, the school day is huge. Um, the, the impact of social media on the kids is huge. And aside, we also don't know what the kids are going home to either. And so I'm conscious of, um, of, you know, the, the naughty students, I suppose, um, the difficult ones, because for the most part, there's always a reason for it. And, and I struggle because relationships with the students are the most important thing for me. And so I, I work on those first. Um, and because the students, I, you know, I get to know the students, I take the time to, to know about them. Um, I find that sometimes that can actually be of detriment to my behaviour management because it takes the relationship to a very trusting level, I suppose. Mm. Um, and, you know, and so with that, I, and I'm quite hard on myself with it because, you know, I, I would love to have um, a classroom where the students just do as they're told, but they're teenagers and that's not going to happen. No. Um, but I think, you know, with that side of things, Yes, it gets difficult, but as long as you're able to sort of follow through with with any uh, outcomes of their behaviour, then, you know, they're going to know at what point that, law, that, that line has been drawn, you know. And, and yeah, I just, a lot of, a lot of, I say a lot, sorry, some of our kids come from quite difficult backgrounds and, um, and I know that 
that plays a huge role. But the fact is they're there every day when they don't have to be, you know, when they could make excuses not to come. And I think that needs to be celebrated too because for what they do in the classroom, whilst it's not not appropriate and not, not acceptable, there's often a reason for it. Exactly. Yep. There is. And if you spend time building that relationship, sometimes that that reason can become clear and you can work out some strategies to yeah. maybe change some of the behavior management yeah. for that particular child in, in exactly. your room. Yeah. Yeah. And so Megan, listening listening to this today, there's beginner teachers and there's people who've been in the game for a while. And some people get a bit overwhelmed. Some there might be a teacher right now who's feeling quite overwhelmed with the workload and the pressure. And and what yeah. do you say to teachers like that? What's what are some coping strategies you've used? Well, I think that that work-life balance is always going to be uh, an issue, um, and there are. I think I think with that, you know, you need to have your list of must-dos, and then your list of would like to do, mm-hmm. and and as long as you're meeting the deadlines of what has to be done, the rest of it, you're probably going to need to let go of um, because you know it, we just can't do it all. Um, There is so much involved in our role uh, that, you know, and the pressure that we put on ourselves. You know, I remember at the very start I was planning every single lesson. I had a book of of my lesson plans that I would write start to finish of what I was going to do and now it's just more of a mental Mm. this, this and this um, because the time that I was giving to writing those lesson plans, it's just not not feasible moving forward, you know, so to try and work out what has to be done, what's a priority, um, and then and then what you can kind of let slide without compromising the quality of, of your teaching. Mm, yeah. And and do you have a philosophy on taking work home? Like do you try and get to work early and do it there or how does that I, work for you? I get to work pretty early, um, which is fairly pointless because I have a lot of chatterboxes in my staff room. Um, yes. But I will do what I have to do at home and no more. And, and I, because I've kind of come to the point where, you know, I've got kids and I, I want to spend that time with them. Um, and, and if I do do work at home, it will be once the kids are asleep. Yeah. 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 No, that, that's a good boundary to set. So yeah. Megan, I, I can tell from talking to you that you are a passionate teacher. You're passionate about your students and about all subject areas, not just, not just music, even yeah. about science. <laughs> um, but uh, if you were to stand on a platform and you were given 20 seconds to advertise the teaching profession by finishing this sentence, why do you teach, uh, or that answering that question, what would you say in 20 seconds, why do you teach? I teach because I have the opportunity to not only educate but also make a difference. That's great. That, that, <laughs> that's, that's quite good. I, I think that would make getting out of bed on a Monday morning yeah, a lot easier if 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 we so could keep easier. that purpose in the back of our mind at all times. Yeah. I was chatting with someone else on an interview just before this, and they said a similar thing about how when we remember why we teach, it makes the mundane parts of the role yeah. a lot a lot um, easier to do. So when we're yeah. reporting or having to look at student data and and all those yeah. dry parts of the role, yeah. if we remember why we're there for the good of our students, it can make yeah. all of that a lot easier. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Mm. Well, Megan, thank you very much for joining us today on the you're podcast. Welcome. It's great to chat to you. Yeah, and um, all the best for everything at your school. And what's the next big concert you're uh, you're organising? What's the next? 
We are trying to. Um, we Last year we were meant to have our big sort of uh, arts showcase evening. Um, that sort of was an integration of everything, all of the arts. Mm. We hadn't quite got there yet. And then COVID hit um, and... Uh, it just threw everything off, so we had to do it online. So this year we're going to we're looking to hire a venue to actually sort of take it outside of school and have the kids on a stage um, in an actual function room, uh, so that it's it's a little bit more exciting. Mm. For them. Um, but yeah, that's that'll be in term three ish. So a lot of work goes into organising sort of stuff. So that's sure. the thing for this year. Definitely. Oh, well, all the best, Megan. And, yeah, uh, thank we'll keep you. In touch. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Zach. Okay, see ya. Bye. See you later. Bye. And that brings us to the end of today's conversation with Megan Field. Look, I hope you enjoyed that conversation and the previous two episodes, and I'm hoping it's helping you to answer the question, why do you teach or why do you want to teach if you are an aspiring teacher? Wherever you are in your teaching journey, I wish you all the best. And please join us next time for episode number four of the Why We Teach series on the Teacher's Guide podcast. 